0: hey y'all welcome to the short-term show special episode series on the smoky mountains in tennessee we are doing a 10 episode deep dive into buying short-term rentals in the smoky mountains so we're going to talk about a lot of things in these episodes and we'll probably be doing a quarterly update from here on out after we finish these 10. so make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get those delivered straight to your phone when they come out Uh, we do have some supplemental materials for you in addition to the content on this podcast. So any information that you need on current property pricing, you can find on our website at theshorttermshop.com and we also have courtesy of our friends over at Air DNA Current air DNA data for this market on our website as well. So you can check that out on theshorttermshop.com. And if you guys are interested in buying a property in the Smoky Mountains with a short-term shop agent, you can email us at agents at the Or if you just want to learn more about buying short-term rentals in this market, you can join our Facebook group. We've created a 50,000 person community on Facebook all about investing in short-term rentals. You can join that. It's the same title as my book. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. See you guys over there. Hello, potential Smoky Mountain short-term rental investors. This episode of the Smoky Mountain short-term rental show is about common things that you are going to run into in terms of managing specifically here in the smokies so there are things that happen in the smokies that don't happen in florida for example or scottsdale or anywhere else you might own things so today we're going to talk about those things and how to manage those so i have three of the best managers i know in the smokies Uh, i've got luke carl chuck kramer and tim grillio and, uh, guys, if you just want to give a quick intro, I know some of y'all have been on previous episodes, but introduce yourself anyway. Luke, you go first.
1: Yeah, I'm Luke. I am the shaman of short term uh, cash flow, Carl. And I am also the host of the short term rental management podcast. So please uh, give me a like, give me a follow over there, give me a five star review because that's what we are in the business to do. So I'll turn it over to Chuck.
0: Can you tell that, Luke? Has 15
1: years of radio DJ experience. <laughs> now, I'm just a big Ric Flair fan, is really all that is.
2: <laughs> hey, Chuck Kramer, longtime smoky investor, restaurateur as well. And uh, start my own series we'll talk about soon. Can't
3: awesome. wait to hear that. <laughs> Uh my name's Tim Grilio. I'm uh actually I'm an agent up here in the Smokies so, uh, with a short term shop and own several properties up here as well and uh got some long terms in Kentucky and some other short terms in some other states. So uh yeah. And I am not a radio DJ.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about things that you might run into management-wise. So guys, what we're not talking about today are general things like how to set up property management software, things like that. Uh, these are Smoky-specific things that can and will happen when you own in the Smoky Mountains. So do I want to give the first topic or do one of you want to start off the topic? sure, Let it roll. Go ahead. Okay, so the first thing that... That comes to mind for me is wells a lot, or are wells. First thing is, I think it's is, uh, whatever somebody emailed me the correct grammar for that, because that's going to bother me the rest of the show. Uh, so let's talk about wells. The majority of the properties in the Smokies are on wells and septics. And there are certain things that can, that you're going to run into with owning a well. It's just inevitable. And Luke, what are those things?
1: Well, here's the deal with a well, you know, I mean, the water comes out of the ground, so it's got its own personality. You never really know what to expect. And and that's not a big deal. Most people think that well water, and they're right, uh, that well water is better than city water. City water, meaning it comes, you know, pumps in from the city, you pay for it by the gallon and it's got a bunch of bleach and all that kind of crap in it, fluoride. It's good for your kid's teeth and all, all that other crap they tell you. And, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> most people, especially people that live in the country, will tell you that well water is superior to, quote unquote, city water. Now the downside of this is is that when you're renting this home to people who are coming from city water and have no idea or have never dealt with well water in their life, um, it can be a little sticky sometimes. So what you get is uh, you, you get you get one of a few different things. You'll get you'll get colors. Uh, the, the color you get most often is generally a little bit red, and it's uh, iron. Uh, iron also comes with a smell, uh, which smells like metal. Believe it or not, because uh, it's exactly what it is. Although it's you know it's coming from the ground, coming from the minerals in the earth, basically, and then uh, you get uh, other color, other other smells such as uh, sulfur, which is not good. Sulfur again, a mineral, uh, whatever vegetable mineral, one of the two, and it does not smell good. It smells like uh, rotten eggs. To be to be easy on it, it it's uh, it's pretty nasty. Can be corrected. Any of these problems, by the way, can be c- corrected. Um, and then we have, uh, we have things like silt, uh, which is a fancy way to say, basically you've got some sand kicking up in your, in your water and that could be corrected as well. But, uh, uh, anyway, so, but what I do is if I buy a new house, I'll have my inspector or if I'm able to go there myself, I'll, uh, fill up a glass for, with, I'll do two things. I'll, I'll turn on all the water in the whole house at the same time, uh, and, and plug the tub so I can see what's doing there um as far as you know large amounts of water at one time and then i'll fill up a glass and smell it and see if it looks like anything um then you also want to you know if if you got a hot tub open it up and see what that looks like of course that water's probably been sitting there for a few days at least so who knows what it looks like uh when it's fresh you know so all of these issues can be fixed with the filters uh of various types of filters they have uh uh these big whole house filters that look like uh, what you fill a, your your kids uh balloons up with at a par- birthday party and they fill them with different types of uh you know uh uh i think they call it, what do they call them there's a name for that i'll come back to that medium um, medium thank you uh and uh and the medium is is changed based on what uh attributes your water is dealing with um and they can get get rid of almost uh, any problem out there these filters are Around uh, you know anywhere from uh, five hundred bucks to uh, three, a maybe four thousand dollars for a, a high tech system, uh, and these are going to be something that are you know you're going to change. It's got it's got a lifespan, in other words, about the same lifespan as a water heater, somewhere around maybe ten years, uh, maybe fifteen years if you get lucky. And of course, you have them serviced and you have them checked out. And then of course, water softeners come into play if you've got hard water, and water softener can deal with a lot of these minerals and smells and things as well. Uh, and that's enough for me. I'll turn it over to one of the other guys. What where where do we go from there, guys?
3: That's a lot of well stuff, uh, but it, it, it's all it's all spot on. Um, you know, I don't know, Luke. I don't know. We uh, we actually recommend to our guests. We let them know it's well water and say uh, you know basically you may want to bring bottled water to drink, but for everything else it's fine. You know, and just just to kind of alleviate that you know some people freak out about it i grew up on iowa and drank out of a well my entire life so it doesn't bother me at all but some people get a little queasy about it
2: my case the one place i have it's on a well people actually compliment me on the water say it's the best stuff they've ever had and that so it can go that way too
3: yeah i agree i've actually got Three out of the four of ours are on wells and none of them have any kind of water treatment system at all. And it's great water. I just uh uh the one in the valley is like uh the Where's Valley? It's like the best water I've ever had.
2: (laughs) That's that's where ours is at.
3: So there are
0: people I see them in the Facebook group sometimes. There are people, there are a few little areas in the smokies, like on the side of the road where there's a pipe stuck out of the out of the mountain, and it's for drainage of the rainwater, but people will take their um, their big like thermoses and stuff, and go fill it up with. with out of
3: the youth, baby. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I, <laughs> on Facebook, people are posting like, okay, this one's doing really good today. There's a lot of water coming out of it, or don't go to this one; it's dry. And like, it's a thing; it's a subculture of people. Well,
1: in, in essence, what you're talking about is is a well. You know, I mean, all they're doing is putting a hole in the ground, and <laughs> and water comes out of it, and it's exactly what's going on there. You know, and another yeah. thing to keep in mind is there's a pump. There is a pump. You know, your well is going to be anywhere from who knows 50 feet to 700 feet deep. They got to go until they hit water, um, and uh, and that and then they drop a pump down there which has electricity going to it and a big line of electrical uh, wires, and that runs to your breaker box. And uh, that pump's going to go out as well. Also has a lifespan. Again, 10, 15. I've had them the last 20 years. Yeah, uh, well, pumps pump. usually go a while. Yep. Not uh, not that, that expensive uh, either. How much does the yeah. last? I think my last well pump was maybe eighteen hundred bucks. Yeah, uh, a couple
3: grand, couple grand, and uh, so you got your well pump. Yeah, I mean, components wise, you got the pump, and then you got a pressure tank somewhere. You know, I'll say in your basement or crawl space, but it could be in a closet or something. Uh, and then I don't even want to talk about storage tanks. I mean, some of these, some uh, some wells, and it typically is the higher up the mountain you go, uh, they can be a little bit low producing. Uh, like they put out water, but not enough. So especially for like rental guests, like if it's just a person living there, it's probably not a big deal. But when you start draining hot tubs, you know, every few days and stuff, it puts a, puts a hit on it. So what they do is they put in big holding tanks somewhere, either in a crawl space or whatever. And it's basically a reservoir. So depending on where your cabin is, you may have, have holding tanks. I have it in one of, one of our cabins and, uh, and, uh, it kind of, it gives you a buffer, you know, if, uh, you run out of water. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's for a low yield well, is what they're saying there. I and mean, basically, uh, whether it's a gallon per minute issue or just a you know a lack of water in general issue, because a rental property is obviously, especially with a hot tub, is going to get way more use than somebody living in it, uh, unless you got a bunch of kids and taking baths. I we understand that as well. But I think what you're really looking for is. You know, five gallons per minute is, I think, you know, just on a quick Google search anyway. Um, and if you're running lower than that, or you have a a low yield well that doesn't have, you know, a, a massive amount of gallons, uh, that's when they'll do those uh, holding tanks. And it's literally, you know, uh, they're storing water for future use. So they'll pump the well when the house is not being used and fill that tank up. And then the water comes out of the, the tank rather than out of the well. That's kind of how that goes. Is that about right, Chuck? Yep. You nail it. I do not personally. I don't. I don't personally have one of those, but uh, I've done a lot of research. Anything else on wells? Smells now. the, the sulfur smell. Don't let it drive you nuts. Uh, it is fixable. It is annoying, um, and it is really annoying if you didn't know about it before you actually went to the home. Like because your home inspector might not catch that. Um, so that's that's a, that's a good little tip there. If you're if you're doing a home inspection on something in the Smokies for your first purchase, ask the inspector to uh, fill up a glass of water and and smell it, or even better, hire an actual filter place to uh, to go over there and and inspect the water for you and give you kind of a parts per million type of a uh, situation as far as your water quality.
0: One thing I wanted to hit on wells, too, is if you have a well emergency, like if for some reason the water is not working, uh, they do have emergency. They have water delivery. They will bring you a big tank of water, but you have to have holding tanks. They'll come fill it up if you get into that situation but the holding tanks have to be there already
3: uh yeah i mean you pretty much said they come with a huge tank it's usually about a thousand gallons and they'll either fill up your holding tanks and then i've actually had like where my holding tank wasn't all the way empty and they put the rest of the water down your well shaft and they'll actually put the water right in your well so um my one property though it seems like about once maybe twice a year it'll actually go dry and we'll have to get a water delivery it's like three four hundred bucks they come up dump a bunch of water in and then It'll go for months and months and months again.
1: So. Well, hold on on that because you're going to scare a lot of people with this dry well thing. Now, uh, what what happens if I buy a house with a well and it goes dry? Uh, to my, my knowledge, that doesn't really happen. Or if it does, I mean, if you get a situation where it's like worst case scenario, which is very rare, you could always go deeper, right? Uh, yeah,
3: you can go deeper and you can actually, they, they frack them as well. That's another thing that people do is they'll go in and actually frack the well. And uh, I don't know a ton about that. I know of other people that have had that done, it's been successful uh, to bring kind of a, a well that, you know, it can knock out, you brought up silt and stuff. It kind of knocks that out and, 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 and reactivates the well, if you will. So.
1: And an ultimate, ultimate worst case scenario, in my experience, is somewhere around anywhere from maybe fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to drill a brand new, shiny, spanking brand new well. Uh, give or with take. With years right?
3: of service, yeah, yep. yep.
1: And then you got water for free forever. Well, not for free. You got to pump electricity to it, but pretty close to free.
2: Yeah, and with the ongoing maintenance, it probably runs about the same as being on city water. So,
1: yeah, right, I agree. with So that.
0: it's just one one extra system to manage it's not anything to be afraid of if you're not somebody who's ever owned anything on a well i mean we'd never owned anything on a well when we bought our first one and and it's not not anything to be afraid of so let's move on to septics so uh what are the things that can potentially go wrong because i know a lot of people who've never been on a septic tank are kind of scared of septic tanks there's nothing to be scared of either so what are some common occurrences with septic tanks and how do you manage
1: them
3: oh man (laughs) <laughs> this could be a whole podcast. I love something. I
1: actually do have. A,
2: we, a, we could do a whole episode on this. I do have
1: a YouTube video on the subject from a few years ago. That is my shining uh, crown. That's like my my ultimate moment in history. Is my YouTube on uh, on <laughs> where where does it all go?
3: Yeah. So I mean, essentially, you got you got a tank in the ground that everything goes into, and it's kind of a deal where solids sink down and the liquids float up and it, towards the top of the tank there's an outlet that i'm gonna say it goes out into your yard which sounds crazy but uh it that, you know it's this is all a really engineered thing that people have been doing for years and uh uh you know the way the lines are done and they're burying the ground it basically uses the the system to filter it out and it's clean clean water when it comes out and it's done and uh so the biggest thing with septics is you're not supposed to put things down that don't decompose. And guests are never going to understand that or know that. So my biggest thing that I tell everybody uh, is, you know, in a normal situation, you're going to want to pump a septic every, what, five years or whatever. In a rental situation, just do it once a year. And it's it's like 350 bucks. It's cheap insurance. And they basically, when they pump it out, they're pumping out all the stuff that's not supposed to be in there. You know, they come in with a big tank and suck it out. Uh, It's disgusting. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, um, you know, if you do, the the worst thing that can happen to your septic is it fills the tank up with solids, uh, whether they're decomposable or not. And when those go all the way to the top, And if those solids start to go out your field lines and plug your field lines, that's the worst thing that can happen to a septic. If you get plugged field lines, then you're looking at digging up all those field lines. Uh, So the best way to not have that happen is not let your tank get that full solids. And that's where you just pump it out once a year.
2: Not to mention
1: that it becomes very fragrant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You'll probably know when things are acting up.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Either you'll know or your guest will tell you.
1: And sometimes they can be difficult to find. Uh most septic guys are gonna be able to find it located pretty easily. They can just go in your crawl and see where the, the, the PVC is exiting the home and then go out into the yard and figure it out. Or there's there's also diagrams at the county for most most homes, but they're all they're very, you know, they're archaic. I will, will say that. Uh, so it's it's not gonna be, you know, like here it is, you know. So sometimes they're hard to find. So there's that. And so if you do get, you know, we were we're recommending here to get it pumped as soon as, you, as soon as you buy the home it's like the you know the week after you buy the home get it pumped there's a very good chance it's never been pumped because most people most owners don't even know what these things are or how to handle them uh, because they live in a city somewhere else you know out-of-state owners almost everybody here and uh, uh and when you do that put a riser on it because you know, so the riser basically just says here it is and then that way, next time you need to get it pumped, it's super easy. They can just open it up right there. They don't have to dig up the, the actual tank and pop the lid off of it. Riser is basically just like a fancy cover for the uh, for the lid.
3: No, that's a great tip. You want to do that absolutely first thing. So that, that'll take your first pumping from, you know, $350 bucks to maybe, you know, $700 or something like that to add the riser. But it doesn't have one. Um, some of the high, high-tech septic companies, they have a little egg They call it. They 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 actually flush down, and it's like it got a transmitter in it, and they can use that to find the tank. If you know, if it's a hard to find one, usually they're pretty good about finding them. These guys know what they're doing. Uh, Another tip: if you meet the guy there, uh, don't shake that guy's hand. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> my my, my septic guy uh use he also uh keeps um he keeps homemade uh, moonshine in his truck so uh I'm yeah not i was about say that,
0: to say yeah uh, there is one where yeah. you can act, they'll they'll sell you some moonshine too
1: i'm not gonna give his name out because i don't know that that's legal but i may have partaken in past in the past it's <laughs> a hey, so
2: moonshine capital what do you expect
1: yeah but
2: wells are only for the mountains you know so um Remember that too. So,
1: and shit runs downhill. That is a very good tip.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Get your riser put in, put a locker or, or some type of seal on that cover. Otherwise, kids are going to be dropping rocks down there to hear the splashing because they don't know what it is.
0: Really? That is not something that ever would have occurred to me as a kid to do.
1: <laughs> well, usually um, they probably uh, told you not to play around with it. But uh, um, I know all Luke my says risers. Not to check your cameras, but
2: if you check them later, you'll probably see it. <laughs>
3: All my risers have a like a plastic lid on top
1: that has screws to take it yeah, off. Yeah, it's got. Uh, yeah, yeah, you'd have to unscrew it. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, well, what did you expect?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the reality of it. We should move on.
0: Yeah, well, moving right along here. <laughs> another thing, it doesn't happen every year, but it happens sometimes. I would say maybe every other. Well, before last year, it hadn't happened in three or four. Anyway, uh, snow in the Smokies. And not necessarily snow that's the problem, but ice. So it rains, and then it gets below freezing, and then you have ice. Uh, Doesn't happen every year. Really doesn't snow much in the Smokies at all. Um, It might just get an inch or two. Usually it's gone within a day. But what can happen, because it doesn't snow much, a lot of people who are from the northern states who are really used to snow where their cities are t- really well equipped for it. They're like, what's the problem? Why is everything closing down? Because it snowed. It's because northern cities like Chicago, for example, has a lot of infrastructure to deal with that. You have snow plows. You have all of this you know, tax dollar allocated services to make it to where you can continue with regular life during that time. The Smokies is not like that because it doesn't snow enough for them to have to allocate things that way. So if it snows and there's ice on the roads, it shuts down. So guys, how do you manage guests coming, for example, guests coming in during that time, guests trying to get out during that time Uh, there's lots of things that can happen like busted pipes. Let's, let's start with incoming guests though for management
1: purposes.
3: Communication, communication. Yeah.
1: I assume we all have a policy, right? So Chuck, what's your, your snow policy and do you break it? Um, we,
2: we simply say we do not, uh, refund for weather. Um, you know, we expect our customers to know that ahead of time and make plans appropriately. And we have a weather widget right in our guidebook. You know, they, they open the guidebook and there's the weather. So, uh, there's not much reason for them not to know. Do we break it? Yes. Right. On occasion. Um, because they could do everything right. But it's like
1: that old saying, four-wheel drive doesn't do you any good if the guys... So here's you, my system. My, my listings say no refunds for weather, period. My guidebook says no listings for weather, period. Uh, when it actually happens, again, we're talking snow in the Smokies. And this would be very similar to, God forbid, hurricane in in, the, in Florida. Um, it's a case-by-case scenario, but I do actually issue the refund. My policy is to just let them cancel, not come and give them their money back if it's like inevitable. I mean, we're talking it's 100% snow for at least, you know, a six or eight hour period and then no above 32 degree weather for two to three days, which is really, I hate to say this because everybody in the last two years is going to be mad at me, but this really freaking rare for it to be below 32 in East Tennessee for more than 24 hours is relatively unheard of. Yeah. Uh, we are talking again here, guys, as a guy that's I'm originally from the Midwest, the same as Tim, a lot of snow. And then I lived in New York City for a very long time. This is the South, and the South is freaking hot, you know? So um, it is a and rare... And they very freak
3: rare. out. They freak they do, out. Over they, freak out. Yeah, <laughs> they freak
1: out. Cannot drive in the snow. Everybody's car will be in the ditch. Everybody, you know, so... My my policy is to go ahead and give them refunds if it gets to the point where it's absolutely inevitable, because it's it's not worth dealing with them once they're in there, because if they're in there and it snows, it's a real giant pain in my rear end. And quite frankly, it's not worth it's not worth the trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my take on it. Yeah.
0: What about fireplaces? Uh, I see a lot of people that will say like, oh, you need to make sure you have a gas fireplace. So if it snows, then your guests still have a heat source. How do you guys handle that?
1: To me that's the only reason to have a, a gas fireplace uh I, I i've gotten rid of all mine and I'm, i'll stand behind that i do not like the gas the propane the smoky mountain propane fireplace they're very common um i've gotten rid of all mine converted to electric however if you have guests in there and there is an impending snow apocalypse snow apocalypse um that could t- potentially keep somebody alive really uh you know so there's that um and that's another reason I'm going to go ahead and offer a full refund to get the hell out of there because it's you know I mean if the and then also snow East Tennessee power outages goes together uh, there are millions of trees I mean just so many more trees than a normal area and these trees you know this with the snow comes the wind and the and the mountains and the wind are it's amplified you know so the trees start coming down and then I got no way for heat so um, now again propane fireplace is not really going to do much other than possibly keep your ass alive it's not like it's not going to heat a whole house you know so i don't know what 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 do you guys do on the uh, fireplace
3: they help you know they help and like you said it could keep somebody alive also you know this kind of rolls into hvacs you know it depends on you know how cold it gets and what kind of hvac you got if you have a heat pump which i'll say most of the stuff up here has um they don't keep up once it gets below you know 15 20 degrees which is rare but we did have that snap this year and uh between the fireplace was enough to supplement the heat pump you know the heat pump was having a hard time keeping anything above 60 they ran the fireplace and were able to keep it like 65 and uh i was able to keep guests in and they were happy as christmas and they had a great time um you know and it just added to their experience (laughs) which you don't always get that but uh so anyway i'm a little mixed on too The, the propane fireplaces can be a pain but they can help
2: yeah, we have two in our place in the valley. I mean, it so it really can heat the whole place, but <clears throat> then the other thing is you got to make sure the tanks full. Uh, that the only thing worse than having all that happen is to then run out of propane after the first day, because then you can't get a truck up there either. So,
3: and I'll say generally, like just building the way they build buildings here is different than in the north you know luke and i grew up in iowa to frozen pipes weren't even a thing because nope. they they did things to, here they are and it's because it's so rare it's not normal for it to get as cold as it did this year and you know people get all you know kind of wadded up that like oh my gosh my house isn't built right the pipes are all frozen and you know you can argue that but they're all like that here and that's just because the building codes are different because we're not in the climate that is that's normal you know so You know, there are workarounds that you can do to kind of protect your house on that, but none of it's 100 percent foolproof unless you go in and do like a full custom something, you know, because I mean, the power goes out. Heat tape's not going to do anything, you know, Uh, so
1: yeah, you bring up an interesting point, because, again, I grew up in Nebraska and uh, and you grew up right down the road from me. I never heard of a frozen pipe ever. Oh my god! Yeah, Luke, the
0: first time that it was getting really cold, at, like at, in the house that we lived in in Tennessee, in Tennessee. Yeah. and I was yeah. going through dripping all the pipes, and he's like, "What does that mean, dripping?" And I was opening, uh, you also <sighs> you like- know, open the ca- open the cabinets, and he was looked at me like I was doing the craziest thing he had ever seen <laughs> in his life. He was like offended. He was like, "What are you talking about, dripping the pipe?" <laughs> Like because they will freeze and then they will burst. And that- I, was,
1: I was like, what are you were you raised in a barn? I mean, who does yeah. something like this? And then it turns out it is true. So if you're a Yankee buying a house in the Smokies, if it gets below 30, ask somebody to drip the sink. And you really want them to drip at least one, the furthest from that, from the uh, street, from the, from the water source, the well. Is ideal or all of them is ideal and just a tiny little drip it's not about the water coming through it's about relieving pressure i ended up doing a ton of research on this because once again my wife was right (laughs)
0: as
3: (laughs)
1: usual my My
0: wife's
3: from dallas and we went through the same thing at one point i was like (laughs) she was the first time it got cold when she moved a little
1: up north i'm like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) it's the craziest thing i've ever seen right but it turns out it's real it's a thing
0: yeah so drip the pipes or drip the sinks and uh all right so kind of along those same lines, but it doesn't always have to be snow related. How do you manage a steep driveway? Because that is really common in the Smokies, especially for view properties. If you want to view, you got to go up the mountain. And a lot of people, myself included, when I first started going out there, what like in Luke, especially, I mean, my God, Luke has left me at the top of mountains because he was having a panic. I didn't leave
1: you. I did have definitely, (laughs) definitely threatened to leave my truck a time or two.
0: (laughs) So how do you manage? uh, Cause you definitely want to make sure that they're not surprised by it. Because I think that, the bad reviews are spurred by guests being negatively surprised by something. So, if you make sure they know about it way off in the future before they even book, then I think you're in good shape. But, what are you, what's the three of your advice about having a cabin? Are we a talking
1: steep- about uh, steep roads in general or steep roads in and snow situations or both? In general, in general.
3: Upfront expectations, 100% is like your first. You have to, if you got a driveway this steep, you know, you got to you got to let them know and, and, and be bold about it. And it's, it's scary at first, but you know, I have one it's steep that, you know, we've had, you know, you're going to have at least some point in time in your life, you're going to have somebody at the bottom crying on the phone that can't says their car won't go up it. And, you know, you may have to coax them up or whatever, but, uh, uh, the reality is, you know, outside of bad weather, the cars will go up the driveway. You know, it's just, you know, if you're not used to that, it is scary, you know? Um, so a hundred and 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 let people know four wheel drive is required in bad weather. And I don't even say snow; I just say bad weather because, to be honest, if you know if you're not experienced driving on that, it can be tricky in the rain. You know, yeah. uh, somebody that's used to it goes right up at like nothing. You know, but uh, if you're a flatlander like I used to be, <laughs> uh, it can be tough.
2: Or like a lot of our Florida guests. Yeah. So. Yep. But even the so, like can create problems. So doesn't even have to be bad weather
1: it's all about expectations with guests in general, which by the way, we do absolutely love our guests. That's why we're in business. And we are here to provide people with excellent, excellent times on their vacation. Uh, but the steep road is 100% about expectation, which most of the business is. And if you, you know, I have one that is really kind of scary for your first time. And i let them know, Hey, this, this is a steep one lane road. It's got gravel. It is scary. If you're from Ohio, if you're a flatlander, it's scary. And every now and then somebody will say, Hey, I saw about your road, but, uh, I'm worried, you know, I like, uh, can I get up there in a Toyota? Can I get up there in a, sometimes they'll even say an SUV, like a rav four or something. And I always discourage them because if they are even asking about the road, it's probably not going to go well, you know? Uh, but I do take it the other direction and I, I use it as a part of my marketing. Like, you know, if you want to come to the mountains and go up a mountain and look at a mountain, come to this house. This is, this is cool. Cause, uh, because, uh, you know, as the saying goes, I don't know where I got it from, but you cannot see the world if you do not climb the mountain.
3: That's a great tip too, Luke. You know, when you put it at your disclosure in and be upfront about it, you don't have to be scary. You know, you can, you know, you can word it in a manner that says, look, when you get the tops, gonna be well worth it. You know, after time or two, you get used to it, blah, blah, blah. you know make it, make it sound nice, but don't, don't sugarcoat that it's, Still a hill.
0: And
1: we got enough guests to go around. There's people that want the mountain experience, and then there's people that want the Flatlander experience. So just be obvious about what you're actually renting.
2: Yeah. We provide a video. Uh, Actually, it's two videos. We we have one of the uh, private road to our place, and we furnish it to them right after they book because there's no real way to get to them ahead of time. Uh, So they have an opportunity to look at it and change their mind if they want. And then we have a second video of a drone flying level next to it to really give you an idea of the angle of the, uh, uh, or the incline. That's of the road. Did you make so, this video
1: yourself? I would love to uh, hire your video yeah. guy. Yeah. Did it myself. Okay, cool. I love that. That's brilliant. We got a soundtrack. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, a, what a tip. What's the soundtrack black Sabbath or something or
2: no, it's one of my brother's songs, uh, called uh, uh country road. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So. well,
0: I learned something at certain times of year in the Smokies. It is very possible that your guest is going to open the door and walk in and there are going to be a large amount of dead ladybugs in the house. Why yeah. is that? Yeah. And what do you do when
1: that happens?
3: Let's just say, or flies, or bugs.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, tradition, the flies were new this last year, and they are saying that they're uh, not, maybe not coming back. I had a whole podcast on that on the short-term management show, short-term rental management show. But anyway, go ahead, Chuck, with the ladybugs.
2: Uh, good old ladybugs. Well, there's two things we deal with. There's ladybugs, and then there's the Asian beetles. Their behavior is very similar, but one is beneficial and the other is not. And those Asian beetles bite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, But uh, you can walk in your house and you find them on the floor by the windows. They're seeking warmth for the most part, so that you're going to find them on the sunny side of the house. Uh, They will find a way in. You can hire people to come every week and reseal your house and they're still going to find the way in. As with many things we've talked about, the best way to deal with them is let your guests know ahead of time. Ahead of time, they're not dangerous. They're not going to hurt you. In our case, we even have a dust buster labeled for ladybug use. It sits on a charger right in the living area where we tend to have the problem in this one house. And since I've put that in and put it in the description, I haven't heard a peep from I love from anybody. that. That's awesome. Forewarned is forearmed, right?
1: Uh, ladybug season is, give or take, um, early October to mid-November. Usually they go away at the first or usually, realistically, the second or third or fourth freeze of the year, which again, could be December, really, you know. So um, they're looking for heat. They're looking for warmth to stay alive is what it is. And actually where we are, look, we're at higher altitude. So
2: we have trouble starting in the spring. So and all through all through
1: the summer. Oh, really? Interesting. They'll try to come in at night. I don't really see any ladybugs unless they're like being coming, you know, coming out of the woodwork uh, because they were dormant. Maybe that's what it is. That could be
0: all right so another living organism specific or not necessarily specific to the smokies but uh mountain markets uh bears so what do we need to tell our guests about black bears in the smokies because they will probably in certain areas like chalet village and gatlinburg they're more likely to run across them than other areas but i've seen them in a lot of places so uh what how do you guys manage warning them about bears, telling them what to do and what not to do and all that stuff?
1: Don't take selfies with the bears. That's what I tell them. <laughs> yeah, they, this is not a
2: zoo, they are not tained. Um, we put it in our listing. Uh, we remind people in one of the early messages. We send them a uh it's in our guidebook, and we send them a link directly to that part of the guidebook about three days before they arrive as a reminder. Um and we put it in everything we can, the the major things. Don't leave trash out. Bears will find it. <laughs> uh, don't ever approach a bear. Uh, you know, before you walk out the door, just take a look around so that you don't surprise a bear. If you see a cub, move away, try to get back into, into the cabin or your car. And then, of course, don't leave food in your car. Always keep your car doors locked.
0: They, they will get inside doors. your car. I've seen so many videos. It hasn't happened to me personally, but I've seen a lot of videos about bears getting in cars.
3: I've had one yeah. in the back of my truck. He uh he climbed up in there and had a party, and uh, and you kind of just gotta let them get done. You know, yeah, if you, you, get, gotta, you, if yeah, they, you got they, bears,
1: you've got trash. I mean, you can get they they will go away if you if there's nothing for them to eat. So it's either you or your neighbors that they're eating something. You know.
2: Yeah, and don't ever feed them. In fact, if uh the wildlife people find out that they've been fed, they will chase you down.
3: And I'll uh, say in some of the common, you know, some of the resorts, they the bears kind of know what time turns are. You know, you're yeah. you're you're gonna see more bears around the time the cleaners are there moving trash around and they they know it, you know. And uh so again, I think Chuck pretty well nailed everything. It's disclosure, disclosure. Yeah. Uh I don't remember where it's from, but we have a link that we send that is like an external source about like all you need to know about black bears and it's kind Airwise, of, the stuff that just said. World. yeah, that's what it is. And Airwise, yeah. and it was, it's uh we send that. So it's not coming from us, you know, just so that it's just a, a third party source. That's educating about bears and uh, they're awesome. You know, and we tell people to enjoy them and, and, and watch them from a distance and all that stuff. A lot but, of people come you know. just
2: for the bears.
1: and you need a bear proof trash can so if you don't your house will likely come with one when you buy one uh it doesn't mean it's not in bad shape so if you need to replace it or you don't have one at all you can google that there's a couple places that do that just smoky mountain bear proof trash can you can find a couple places out there they're easy to find
2: and it's not just the trash can it's actually an enclosure for the trash cans there are places you can buy something called a bear proof trash can it's not (laughs) Uh, Hot tub. The bears can't open it. They'll drag it down the road. It's a good
3: idea to secure the cover on your hot tub. They, they also love hot tubs as much as they love getting cars and they'll get in a hot tub and chill out and take a bath. And, uh, so, you know, there's different ways to do that. Some people just run a cable over them with a hook or some of the newer ones have like latches, but, uh, in a bad situation, a bear can mess up a cover. You know, if they want to crawl on top of it, you know, that's kind of worst case scenario. Uh, and they'll, they'll mess it up, you know, but not too big of a deal. And that's pretty rare.
2: And the last the last note I have on that is remember bears climb. Uh, One of our homes we have our deck is our top deck is eighty feet off the ground. Bears are on it all the time.
1: So that slides us into.
2: Our guests probably left food out.
1: That slides (laughs) us into both hot tubs and grills. Let's should we tackle the grills quickly because that's going to be the same guy that does the the grill. Uh, My grill system is this: I get a park grill. It is cemented in the ground. A decent amount of space from the home, so they can't—they really can't burn it down unless something horrible were to happen. Um, and and I do—I do not play with propane or uh, charcoal. Well, these are charcoal, but they're not like a Weber that you can move around. And I love the fact that you can't move it. Therefore, the, the chances of them bringing your house down are are uh, much smaller. So that's my system. Propane is way cooler, nicer, easier. Um, some some folks would prefer the charcoal. So that that's uh, there's that, but. That's what I do. If, you can get you can get the, the grill, the park style grill from the same guy that does the the bare trash cans. So mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys do.
3: Similar. It's, uh if you have a propane grill or or Weber style or whatever, you know, portable, you need to chain that thing somewhere or cable it because people will move it. Uh they'll move it. I mean, I don't want to say this, but they'll move it inside. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't want them to be able to put the grill where they want it because they will. They'll move it on your porch. They'll melt your siding. They'll, they'll do whatever. You know. Uh, so, uh, I, I, I prefer the, the, the park style grills as well, cemented in the ground. That's 100% my preference. But if you're not going to do that, I highly recommend uh, securing your grill somehow.
1: Yep. Yeah. I, had, I had a grill. I had a, a fence burned down from a grill, and that was the end of it for me. Park style only. Yeah.
2: And the park sows, you got to check, you got to still clean them and you got to check them every so often to see uh, what condition the grates are in. The grates often need to be replaced about every one or two years, depending where you are, what kind of, how much rain we got.
0: Awesome. Well, that's a good, another segue into the next thing that you should... You should have this in your Smoky Mountain rental always, not because it's going to make you so much more money, but because everyone else has one and you need to be on par with everyone. And that's a hot tub. Mm -hmm. So what are some common issues we run into with hot tubs?
1: (laughs) Owning them? (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, a hot tub is really pretty simple. You got a pump. And you've got what they call a spa pack, which is like kind of the brains and the heater and everything's all kind of in that one unit. And then you got an upper control. And, uh, you know, Luke's going to tell you, don't ever fix a hot tub. But, you know, in the event that you do need to fix a hot tub, those are those are, you know, the three. You got a few sensors and stuff. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, they they get cleaned, you know, they get drained and cleaned every turn, you know, so.
1: Well and just to clarify what he's saying never fix a high I'm a never fix anything guy I always replace everything I will fix a hot tub though cuz there's a lot of p- parts in like a pump or the jets I mean that's a real easy fix so if the if the hot tub is you know under 5 or 6 years old 5 years old I will go uh, I'll replace the pump and things like that now if it, if the damn tub cracks then no I mean you don't that's not something you want to fix and play around with it's going to look terrible and it's probably going to start leaking again um so uh, in general, I, I will not let a hot tub go as long as, say, an HVAC. Um, you know, if I got a, if I got issues on a hot tub and it's over five years old, it's probably gone because it is a huge part of their vacation. They are extremely excited about this hot tub. It's They're going straight to the hot tub, getting right in it. It's one of the main reasons they picked your house. You'll hear that all the time. I picked your house because it had a hot tub. Well, they all have hot tubs, you know, so um, – I want to, if if, my rule of thumb is if they can touch it, if they're touching it and using it, such as a washing machine, dishwasher, hot tub, it needs to be nice in a short term. At least that's where I'm at in my career. In the early days, I couldn't afford nice. Nothing wrong with that. You just got to adjust your listing and your pricing accordingly. Today, I like to uh, fetch a premium on my rents and you can't get a premium and you can't more more importantly, get smoking reviews unless you got really nice stuff. So that's what he meant by uh, don't fix it, replace it. Yeah. Uh, this is my little speech on that. They're, you
2: should consider them basically disposable unless you have the hard vinyl ones. But the uh, the foam ones that are like you know covered with the the fake vinyl or just vinyl, the fake leather, um, you're going to go through those probably once every year, or eighteen months. Weather, people, wildlife, uh, it's just a fact. And sometimes they just look grungy. And as Luke said. First impressions are everything. People walk up, see a really grungy top on the hot tub. It doesn't matter how great that hot tub is at that point in time; they're going to have a negative attitude about it right away. Spend the money. I, I really
3: do like the hard covers. I I just got one. One of the hot tubs is the hard the hard cover on it, and it's came awesome. Came with
1: it, or was it replacement?
3: It came with it. It was a brand new hot tub, and it came came with the hard cover. And Can it, I get it's a hard
1: awesome. cover on a old you know a play you know one that didn't come with a hard cover? Uh, I, I don't know.
3: I don't, I'm not. I'm not sure on that.
1: That sounds appealing to me. I'm about to look it, into
3: that. They're actually easier to open. They've got some like like got like a lever on it that the that you pull and it opens. It's like a soft open cabinet, kinda. It's the oh. way it works. Uh, but uh you know, it, it it's just seemed I don't know, I, I wanted to give it a shot, so I got one and so far I like it. But uh we're only a few months in, so we'll give it a year or two before I love it.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: Hot tub was my last point to hit. Do you oh. guys have anything extra that you want to... Oh, okay.
1: Sorry. Keep in <laughs> mind on the hot tub, you're going to get a message that says your hot tub is broken. It's not actually broken. It means they push too many buttons and they put it into sleep and or economy mode. Uh, you can get it out of economy mode. I would recommend finding a video for your particular hot tub and how the, they call it the top side. That's the buttons on the top. Uh, find your video on YouTube, put it in your guidebook. Uh, that's what I do. And then I, I can refer back to that. If and when they are uh, had sixteen too many Coronas and put it in sleep mode, uh, and, and Chuck, you keep bringing up guidebook. Briefly, what are you uh, what are you saying? When you, what are you using for a guidebook?
2: I'm using TouchStay, but uh, you know, there's other options out there too. Uh, you just got to figure out what you what you want to have in your guidebook and make sure the one you pick will handle that. I'm also using TouchStay. Yeah. There's TouchStay,
1: uh, yeah. They're the best. Uh, hopefully, would be the other uh, the other. Mm -hmm.
3: another first impression thing on the hot tub not to keep beating that horse but uh the on the top side controls uh you will get people they peel the the buttons and stuff they get they get faded they get kind of wore off people will peel them away that's just a sticker uh and you can they're like five bucks you can uh you know so that's something we actually put on our spring maintenance we just replace it every year uh you can go and order them or you can have your handyman do it or a hot tub person do it but they'll literally just pull a sticker off, clean it up, put a new one on there. And it, it looks brand new and it just gives it a crisper look, Uh, you know, a new cover, new, new sticker. It just, it's another first impression thing. Uh, If your sticker's half peeled off or you can't read the words or whatever, it just looks old. And re- really the rest of the hot tub can be fine. You know, it's just needs touched up. So, and that's super cheap, super easy.
1: And if you want a real estate agent that knows all this stuff to help you buy a house, I know we weren't going to go there, but I'm going there. Tim does that. Avery does that. That's what we do with the short term shop and if you guys if you guys are impressed with what we know it's because we're the best in the business we'd be happy to help you on a purchase of your home. the short-term shop.com all right Uh,
0: (laughs) uh any anything else you guys can think of that you run into management wise that's specific to the smokies very often
2: well one thing we haven't talked about a lot is but it's related to some of these is labor whether it's cleaners or handymen um I mean, in the weather situation, not only do we have to worry about our guests, but we have to worry about whether or not our cleaners, our turnover people can get to our properties to get them ready for the next guest. Um, Got to have a backup. And that that's true of any time. But you also need to, uh, you know, you need to check on things. Stuff gets stale. People get complacent because they do the same job week after week or, you know, every every three or four days. And sometimes you just uh, need to give a little shot in the arm. You know, a little bonus uh uh, you know, whatever it is you think will incentivize your people, um, because it can get boring. Be nice to them. <laughs> you know,
1: I mean, I I whenever I go up, I clean my
2: houses and I get bored.
1: Be nice to them. So, you know, it's they they uh they don't understand. You know, this is a different world than where most owners live in. It's you know, it's uh owners are living in Arizona. This is East Tennessee. It's a different language um but uh and i disagree slightly not to use that word it's not the right word but i don't do a backup i make sure that my cleaner has some sort of backup like i don't even want to hear about it like if you're not coming to clean my house you better have somebody else that's going to do it um and uh and that's that's my system like uh, you know i'll ask them that when i'm interviewing them not to not to dwell on the cleaner thing that's a whole other call yeah but uh yeah carpenter bees that comes up oh yeah similar to the ladybugs but if you're again, if you're from Arizona or wherever, they just never seen a carpenter bee. They are a thing, and they are huge.
3: <laughs> again, Iowa, we did not have carpenter bees. Uh, I never yeah. saw them. So I moved to the south, and they freaked me out. They're like they're the huge. size of a, yeah, they're like a little hawk. And uh, they, uh, they're, I, I, that's an exaggeration. They're not that big, but but if you see them, they'll freak you out. And they actually. I'm not hundred percent strong. I had somebody tell me they don't actually sting at all. They just chew, but they're, they will, they, if you have a wooden structure in Tennessee, it is going to get hit by carpenter bees and you, there, there, you know, there's some preventive stuff you can do. Uh, you definitely want to get your house sprayed for them. I personally do it twice, both in the spring, uh, you know, like a month and a half apart. Um, and uh, and that helps for sure. Um you know, they're still going to come and you, you want to stay on top of the maintenance. What, basically, what they do is they they bore a hole, you know, about, I don't know, the size of your finger in your house and or in anything that's wood. And they bore a hole and they go and live in there and they lay, 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 they lay eggs and that hole's bad enough. But what tends to happen is the woodpeckers come in behind them and the woodpeckers want to eat those eggs. So they'll take that tiny little hole and blow it out into a massive, ugly hole. So anyway, usually what I, what I do and what I tell clients is you want to get those holes filled in, you know, get on a schedule, whether you do it every once a year, twice a year, three years, whatever works for you, but fill in the holes and that keeps the, you know, the woodpeckers away and, uh, and keeps it in check. And also like, as you stain your cabin, there's stains and stuff that, that you can get, you know, that help, you know, deter the, the, the wood bees as well.
1: Mm -hmm. They are big and scary. In general, carpenter bees don't sting, uh, that. It is possible for them to sting. Uh, It's the female only, I I understand. I could be wrong on that. Uh, Maybe it's the male. How do you know that? Why? Uh, I had Jimmy the Bug guy on my podcast, which is called Short Term Rental Management. (laughs) 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 uh...
2: Yeah, but you're right. These carpenter bees, you know, it's. Uh, they was about the size of ping pong balls and they have no reservations <laughs> about hovering right in front of your face. No, like staring you in the eye,
3: but no, you do, you do want to stay on, They can do significant damage if you don't stay on top of it, you know, but it's another thing. If you have a system in place and do the system, uh, it's very manageable. It's not, it's nothing to be scared of, but it's definitely something you want to be aware of and uh, ready for it. So, uh, yeah. if it's wood, they're, they're going for it. And uh, yeah. you know a lot of the newer cabins are built. Uh, they they're using like a hardy board or like a cement siding now, uh, depending on them. And those are way less susceptible to them. I can't I won't say immune because you still have deck posts and other things. But that siding, uh, they don't they don't really get into that. But uh, any of the older and I say older, it's not that old. <laughs> any any with anything if it's wood, uh, you're gonna have some carpentry be, da- be damaged. And I know we're not really talking inspections right now, but uh, if you're buying in the Smokies, you, you, be prepared. The inspection is going to have carpenter be damage on it, period. And it's just, I don't, I hate to say normal, but they all have it. Uh, and speaking
1: of inspections with the hot tub, the joist hangers are going to come up on your, on your inspection. And in, in the joist, in the, def- now these days you have to have them, but back when these cabins were built, most of the time, you didn't have to have joist hangers. And in the defense of the joist hanger, you do want your deck to be reinforced somehow, some way under the hot tub. That doesn't mean that if it's not reinforced, you don't buy the house. This is a very easy I've done it myself in past. In the you know, I don't know that I want to recommend that. Don't hire me to do your hot tub reinforcing, but it can be a relatively easy job. Just a couple of four buys and a couple of two buys or whatever the case may be. Uh, so maybe just run a, a, an, an additional joist going the opposite direction of the current joist and then a, a six buy going down, something like that. Uh, But definitely reinforce the hot tub. One more uh, thing on the hot tub: this is now we're going down all these rabbit holes. Don't the hot tub is a ridiculous amount of water, right? Uh, And the worst thing for a home is water. So make sure you get. I I just use like a a French drain, you know, like a. a, It's I don't know what that is, Tim. It's black. uh, Yeah, the black uh, corrugated. uh,
3: yeah it's tile like a uh, black tile or you know corrugated tiling uh now this is a ha- great point you can do it with that or pvc but you it's a drain you want to have somewhere for your cleaners to drain the hot tub cuz if you don't, they're dumping it right off the side of your deck, wherever your hot tub is. That's where the water's getting dumped. They they come in with a big hose and siphon it out, and it, it you know they dump uh you know whatever that holds five hundred gallons of water in like five minutes, and it it'll wash out. You know if there's a deck post there and a foundation, it'll it, it will erode the erode it. So uh, I guess where Luke was going with that is run a drain pipe for him. Any any handyman the Smokies can do it, yep. and uh, it gets the water away from your foundation. Nobody's ever and- gonna
1: see it. You could just yeah. zip tie the damn thing if you wanted to, you know, it's just going to get like a, up underneath the backside of the deck and, and it, cause otherwise it will start destroying the backside of your deck and maybe even the foundation, the crawl space. So mm-hmm. make sure you're diverting that water. Water's always an issue.
2: Great point.
0: Do we want to hit anything on crawl spaces before we go?
1: I love crawl spaces. <laughs> I, do. So I, think I think they're the best. I mean, if, it depends on where your house is located, right? I prefer a slab if it's in Alabama. If it's in the Midwest, where Tim and I are from, you have to have a basement. It just makes sense because, again, back to the pl- the plumbing and the heating and all that stuff. In East Tennessee, the the ground is made out of sandstone and it is rock hard, and uh, a cross base makes the most sense. In it is area. in fact a rock. It is in fact the sandstone is a rock. <laughs> What do you? What are you a, is that, is that a geologist? They, they call
3: they call them the mountains. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's the mountains. So, crawlspace is the best way to do it. Um, and then you know all the fixings, all the guts of the house, uh, most of them anyway, are in the in the crawlspace. Your plumbing, your a lot of times half your HVAC is gonna be down there. Uh, your water heater sometimes is gonna be down there. So, um, but it is you know especially if you're new and you're looking at an inspection, every single inspection is gonna say moisture in the crawlspace. And if you're from Minnesota, where there's no crawl spaces, you know, that can be kind of scary because water is the worst thing for a home. Uh, But in most cases, a a lot of times, I mean, I'm not going to get into home. I did go to home inspector school, but I am not practicing. Uh, Water's going to happen. And if it's Minimal, and it's you know, uh, a natural like flow from just rain, water, runoff, that type of thing. A lot of times, it's totally fine. And the moisture barrier what is that? It's a freaking piece of plastic. You could go in there and you know what I mean. It's you go to Lowe's and buy a tarp and throw it in there. You got a moisture barrier, basically, is what that is. Anybody else have any thoughts on the cross? I love cross bases, I think they're great, but in, in East Tennessee,
2: yeah. No, you just make sure they're ventilated. That's it. Uh, yeah. anything
0: else that we want to hit on before we go? We need to wrap it up. <laughs>
2: Uh, parting comment yeah um you know we've talked about a bunch of things here but some of the mitigation uh steps that you need are you need to familiarize yourself with this and have a list of people to call don't wait until the problem happens to start scrambling for somebody you know have a you know know who to call if you have a well problem know who to call if you have a septic problem uh have that list and you know, make sure you know what kind of air conditioning, HVAC system you have. Uh just take a picture of the labels. It doesn't have to be complicated. But it's if you're a remote owner, you may need to know it. Someone's gonna ask, well, what kind of system do you have? How big is it? Um, I don't know, but I can send you a picture of the label. Yeah, that works for most people.
1: I've never done any of that, and I learned the hard way. Take it from me, do it Chuck's way. It is so much easier to have a plan in place. A lot of times, you don't know what you're planning for, you know, so that can be difficult. But he's right, man. Having a picture of your HVAC label, pff, dude, you got to have yeah. it, you know. Hey, I put it hey, on a spreadsheet.
3: Everything we're saying is a, a system, you know. Uh, our system is very similar to Chuck's, we have a Google Drive. And there's a folder for every property in there. And when we buy the property, there's a a number of pictures that go in there. And it's HVAC labels, appliances, blah, blah, blah. That's our binder, if you will, of, of whatever is in there. And it'll surprise you sometimes when like looking at a picture or something like something that, like a guest is having a problem and you just look at it. And you're like, oh, well, yeah, I forgot this was that way or whatever. You know, there's you see a switch on the wall that you forgot was there. And then, hey, uh, the dishwasher not working. Turn that switch on, you know, <laughs> or something yeah. silly, you know. And uh, so pictures of your own properties are definitely helpful.
2: Yeah. Everyone's got a camera with them these days. So storage is cheap.
3: And sometimes, you know, I've I've I haven't been too ashamed to ask a guest to send me a picture. You know, if they're having a problem, send me a picture. And sometimes those pictures get saved in my drive because whatever it was, I thought it was useful for later, you know. So
2: and I advise you yeah. when you get back home, look at those pictures, get the model numbers, do a quick Google search, find the PDF of the manual, download it to wherever you're storing the pictures. Look at this guy.
0: Dang. Yeah, Chuck <laughs> is next level.
2: Ninja no i've just gotten a lot of calls you know i have to replace appliances and stuff and then i gotta figure okay well what size am i replacing do i have enough room for these other models because there can be differences in sizes and having the manual helps you with that information.
3: and it's you know people people lose their mind a little bit on vacation and they're supposed to you know i mean they, they kind of forget how to do stuff like work a house you know i mean yeah. so or it's something you know it's your your shower comes on different than they theirs does and they'll lose their mind over that a little bit and uh uh, as you scale, having all this information at your fingertips <laughs> is awesome. Yep. Yep.
0: All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, hopefully the listeners learned a little something about the common things that you might run into management-wise when it comes to the Smoky Mountains specifically. And um, again, thanks so much for coming. And we will see everyone on the next episode.